0: Now, if you've got a Bible within reach, um, it's time to get it and open to the book of Jeremiah. Um, I I would say one other thing while you're turning. Um, Guys, Vacation Bible School is right around the corner, and there are still, I think I was told, three, three lead teachers that are needed. Hey, guys, those 500 kids that are going to be here, do you know where they came from? our loins. Those are our kids. Let's give them our best. Don't, make, don't ask those kids to, uh, to be shortchanged. We need about three more um, teachers. I think there's like 140 already signed up or so. So um, lots of fun, lots of work. But um, think of it. Five straight days, we find creative ways to share the gospel with our kids. (laughs) Wow. Don't let that suffer. You can um, see somebody in the lobby when we're done. Jeremiah chapter 6, at verse 16. You follow as I read. Thus says the Lord... Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Also, I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore hear you nations and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth. Behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people. The fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words, nor my law. But rejected it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that word, this word, this endures forever. Guys, we are at number three. I I, I told you we would do three little sermons on marriage. I wonder, over the course of forty years of marriage, uh, forty years of ministry, how many series I've done on marriage. But I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my last one. Um, so this is it. Do you don't ever have to listen to this subject again, at least for me. Um, I am not so foolish, or so arrogant. Oh, I, I'm arrogant. I'm just not so arrogant as to um, as to believe that my sermons. Will save your marriages. But I am also not so unbelieving as to think that God can't save your marriages. Now, whether He will or not, um, that's up to Him, that's His business. But I can tell you this He has not left us in the dark. Uh, He has not left us in the dark when it comes to this institution of His marriage. He didn't, he didn't um, create it and then give no instructions as to how it was to be operated. He did. It. He, he gave some instructions. And that's what I'd like for us to discuss this morning. Um, but before I get to that, I want to say this. I am about to make a fool of myself. At least in the eyes of some. Because, um, as did Jeremiah, I am about to plead for the old paths. Jeremiah was not talking about marriage. I am. I have yet to find any system by whatever name it may be called, whether it be modern or postmodern or new age or or hip, which produces one-tenth of the impact on human nature which is compared to what is produced, which What has been produced and continues to be produced by those old, despised, outdated, archaic um, doctrines commonly called biblical, from those I see no reason to depart. Well, now, Doctor Young, um, <clears throat> that's uh, that's awfully pragmatic of you. I mean, it sounds like uh, <laughs> sounds like all you're looking for is something that will work. I am, and so are you. And I would suggest that that which works just happens to be in here. You know, interestingly, I'm not the only one who's talking like this. Um, John Otley sent around a a little blurb, oh, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. It was a quote that was taken from John Nash. Maybe you heard of John Nash. He and his wife were killed on May the 23rd in a car accident. They were riding in a taxi. And they were coming from the Newark airport and um, on the way home were killed. He's the one about whom the movie Was depicted, um, the beautiful, uh, a beautiful mind. Russell Crowe, you remember, played John Nash, it was a good movie. Well, he was killed, but of course, before he was killed, he 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 made this comment. I want to quote, but by the way, he's not talking about marriage, in fact, he's talking about economics. But I want you to hear what he says. He says, Um, I don't think exactly like a professional economist. I think about economics and economic ideas, but somewhat like an outsider, there are a lot of trends in economics. What seems fashionable now, and the general opinion might be quite different after 20 years or so. I think you should learn things that are good foundations, but don't necessarily depend on current fashion, or what could be considered general opinion, or popular opinion. You should maybe try to learn things that would be good for all time. Amen. And that's what I want to offer you this morning. But I didn't think this up, ladies and gentlemen. Um, This stuff didn't come from me. No, no, no. This stuff is the old paths. I think some of you have jumped on political politically correct bandwagons um, regarding marriage. And you will regret that if you haven't already begun to regret that. The, The longer I live, the more I'm convinced that the world needs no new blueprint, but simply to return to a bold and robust and unflinching teaching of the old paths concerning marriage. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, of those, I am not ashamed. And I see no reason to give them up. And I see every reason to return to them. Folks, the heart of man is the same in every age. And the remedy that is required, consequently, is always the same. I grant you, the crowd is elsewhere, saying different stuff, calling this biblical model um, as something that is effete for a 21st century couple, couple. and then offering in its place nothing, nothing that will work, and I, I don't think that should surprise us. But for real inward change of heart and the consequent change on the outside that comes with that, nothing is so powerful as is the Holy Spirit's inspired truth. So ladies and gentlemen, come and get it. I want to mention this morning three what I consider to be non-negotiables. I, I'm sure that another speaker could find a different collection. Um, and as long as they're consistent with the scriptures, I'm all for it. But I want to offer you three things that are non-negotiable. They're, they're Boils down in my mind to three things. Number one. Roles, R-O-L-E-S, roles, biblically assigned roles, which are very clearly presented and explained in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 33, and I can already hear it. Why you sexist You know guys I have been doing weddings for 40 years And before every wedding that I do I insist on this stuff that's called premarital counseling And in, um, and in session number one I ask both of the parties That is the, the, the prospective bride and groom when they come into my office, I give them an assignment. And, um, and I ask them, the first question that I ask them, well, the first one is to define love. But the second one is, I want you to define the biblical roles that God has assigned you. And invariably, just happened last week, invariably, what I get is line upon line of cultural gobbledygook that they nursed from the breast of the cultural elite when all that a groom has to say in answer to my question is simply this the role assigned to me as a husband is to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Tell me, did you read Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 17? Let me read it to you again. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Tell me, gentlemen. Why won't you listen to that? How do you explain not listening to that? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How many times have you heard that in this church? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Why? why, On what piece of rationalization do you base? You're ignoring that. That my role as a husband is simply to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Now that's radical, isn't it? But how can you quibble with that? Oh, Doctor Young, you well. We don't cover with that one. No, 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 we don't. We don't go with that. It's that. It's that other one we don't like. You know the the role that's assigned to the to the wife. Go ahead, say it. It's submission. Wives submit. Go ahead, say it. We hate submission. Say it. And then explain to me how you think you're going to get away with that. When very clearly, the role assigned to a biblical wife To submit, and you hate it. But you know what? What, what? what I what I think you really hate is not so much biblical submission, but it's the culture's representation, it's the culture's depiction, it's the it's the culture's distortion of what submission looks like. I don't blame you for hating that. I hate that too. And. Unfortunately, on occasion, the Christian church makes statements, as did the Southern Baptist Convention about 15 years ago. They make a statement that that perpetuates this picture of Edith Bunker. Folks, Edith Bunker was not a biblically submissive wife. The, The whole idea of submission has been hijacked by the culture. And it's been turned into something thats that's it, been weaponized. It's turned into a weapon that men use over women. And I don't blame you for hating that. But let me show you what biblical submission looks like. Okay? But I want to warn you. Once I do, and you still hate it, then we've got bigger problems. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You need to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. At verse 3. May I read it? But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of of woman is man. And here's what I want you to see. The head of Christ is God. Now, do you realize what that means? It means that Jesus Christ submits to his Father. But in no way does that mean that he is less than the Father in in no way is there inferiority here submission is a word about function it's not a word about value it's not a word about status it's not a word about worth ladies may i ask you did you read jeremiah chapter 6 verse 17 sound the trumpet And the people said, I will not listen. So we go to Ephesians chapter 5. We see the roles assigned. It says wives submit and we say, I ain't listening to that. Tell me, upon what rational basis do you Do you found that rejection? Tell me how you get around that. I'd love to know. I don't know how you get around it. I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, that submission is not about inferiority. It's It's not about worth. It's not about status. It's not about value. It's about a role. And Jesus didn't bat an eye over his role of submission to the Father. And ladies, neither will you if your husband does what this book tells him to do. What woman wouldn't love to submit to a man who adored her? Find me one. Find me one woman And, brothers, if you want a submissive wife, I can tell you how to get one. Do your job. Now, ladies, if your husband doesn't do his job, I'm sorry. But you are not then given permission to abandon your assignment. Call this, if you like, call it, call it unadulterated, old-fashioned, non-stylish, obsolete, out-of-date, out-of-touch, anachronistic, effete drivel. You go, girl. You go home and ache some more. Because your marriage is in a shambles knowing that you have no one to blame but yourself. Or you can return to the old paths. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm tired of apologizing for them. You know, one would think that when there is so much dysfunction maritally, that people would be willing to listen to any suggestion that might help. And you know what? They are. They're willing to listen to any suggestion that will help, except this one. And I want to point out that um, Israel wouldn't listen either, as we see in Jeremiah 6, and, um, and she paid a very high price, and so are we. Guys, these are roles that highlight a husband's holy responsibility to be a wife's leader and protector, and a wife's calling to acknowledge her husband in that role. That's the first non-negotiable. Let me hurry on. Before, before I state number two, let me show you real quickly. Well, actually, don't even turn there, just let me read them to you, and you'll you just have to trust me that I'm not misreading them. But the first one is in um, is in Galatians chapter three, um, and and it says simply this: um, and this, I say that the law, which was four hundred years and thirty years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ." Okay, cannot annul the covenant. the The other one that I wanted to read, I wanted to read to you, is in Hebrews chapter thirteen, and I read this uh, on Sunday mornings from time to time. Um, it goes like this. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Did you see Galatians 3 talks about an unannullable covenant, and this one talks about the everlasting covenant. Now, th- that's talking about redemption. That's talking about what God has done, what the, the commitment that he has made to, to us as his people. It's everlasting. It's unannullable, Okay. Now, did you know that marriage is called a covenant? Malachi chapter 2 verse 14. It's called the covenant of marriage. And that covenant, that is the covenant of marriage, is supposed to be like the other one I read you about. That is, my covenant in my marital home is supposed to resemble the covenant that God made to his people. And what are the characteristics of that covenant? That characteristics are it's everlasting and it is unannullable. So my marriage covenant is supposed to reflect that covenant. So here's the second non-negotiable, ladies and gentlemen. Marriage depends on a commitment that you made to do the right thing as long as it takes to see something beautiful grow out of it. Ours, that is, a husband and wife's, to each other, that is, my commitment to my wife and hers to me, is to reflect God's to me. So none of this 50-50 business business—it's nonsense. It's all 100-100. But may I add this? It is the job of the husband as the Christ figure in the home to lead out in that commitment. Brothers, Prove to your wife that your commitment to her is an everlasting, unannullable one. It's part of the way that we, that we love our wives. Go prove that to her. You know, years ago, I think the last time I did a series on marriage was in 2008. could be wrong, but... But in that series, I, I played you a clip from a very popular, or then popular song. It was sung by Dido, or Dido, I don't I mean, all I know, she's a good looking blonde. Um, uh, but um, the, the, the title of her song was White Flag. I'm not going to play it again, but I am going to sing the chorus. It goes like this. I will go down with the ship and I won't put my hands up in surrender. There will be no white flag above my door. I'm in love and always will be. Ladies, does your husband know that? And in addition, does he know that you will do whatever it takes to do the right thing long enough? Gentlemen, does your wife know that? I'm going down with the ship. I'm not serenity. Now, I I do want to say, if you are divorced... Uh, I know there's pain that's associated with that that I, I can't imagine. But I can tell you that there is life after a divorce. There's, no, no, there's nothing unpardonable about a divorce. It's certainly painful, but it's not unpardonable. Um, life is not over after a divorce. But in any subsequent marriage, one of the negotiables is a, is a commitment that communicates There's nothing annullable about this. It's an everlasting commitment. Here's the third non-negotiable. Communication. And I'm not talking about chit-chat, where the only things that you're willing to share is your ideas and your judgments about politics. I'm talking about a spiritual undressing where two lives are mutually shared in a knowing and a being known. I'm saying that emotionally, we take it all off. No cover-ups. Guys, you know, the reason that that is so rare is that we are afraid We are afraid that if she knows everything that there is to know about me that she'll reject me. That fear of rejection can only be addressed in one way, in a healthy security that you have in your vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. Finding my worth and my identity in Christ frees me to give myself to another person horizontally. Not to protect myself, but to undress emotionally, not hide. I don't need to be afraid of being rejected because I'm safe and secure. In my vertical relationship with Christ. My brother and sister in Christ, the kind of intimacy that you want comes one way via communication. Now now to the most important part of this series, which is based on this premise. <clears throat> well, Doctor Young, you know uh, that's all good what you're saying up there. You know, I don't like it all that stuff you said, but you know, a lot of it I like. You know, because I'm here really to make sure you get it right according to me. Um, <clears throat> but, but, Doctor Young, well, here, here's what I got to. Here's what I got to tell you is, um, you know, I, I hope you don't get offended by this, but. Dr. Young, I need a whole lot more than your sermons. I know that. And here's what we're offering. We would love to create a a marriage support group, kind of a an AA of marital difficulty. A grace group, a small group, or however it comes to be. But very frankly, that's not going to work. I don't think that will ever happen. I wish it would, but I don't think it is. Because you're too proud to admit to eight other couples in the room that your marriage is in trouble. So, we have a, a couple of marriage mentors who would love to meet with you privately to help walk with you as you solve some of the issues that you face in your marriage. But you're going to have to email me. You're going to have to call me, and then I'll match up. By the way, it's not with me. I I don't think you probably want to meet with me. I wouldn't blame you. But um, we have a couple of very healthy uh, couples that, uh, that we think can help. Here's the second thing. Let's just say for the moment that adultery has entered the picture. I have a resource. A resource that you need to talk to It's a man. It's a man, and shall we say, this is a man who has some experience. But he's one of the strongest men I know. Now, if the adulterer is not the husband but the wife, I'm not going to send you to that man. But I got a couple of women that you will love. And we'll try to help. But again, you're going to have to email me. And I'll put you together. Finally, did I confuse you about this whole communication thing? Um, Or intimacy thing? Let's meet so I can further clarify. Me and you. And let's talk honestly about how that can be fixed. Now, here's the good news. It's all free. But you know, all of us in, who are in helping professions know that who you really need is Christ. And guess what? What he has to offer you, that is also free. It's the free gift of eternal life. Have you received the free gift of eternal life? If not, Why not now? Heavenly Father, um, we recognize that apart from the intervention of your Holy Spirit, um, we'll go on in the same rut that we've been in for years and digging it deeper and deeper until we are just numb. And I pray that you will... um, that you will arouse uh, folks here who are struggling to know that there is a place where they can go, where they are safe, and where they can find, hopefully, the help they need to right the ship. Father, um, if you've led people here this morning who have not yet met our Savior, would you cause them to see that ultimately what they really need is not a marriage mentor, What they really need is a savior, and there's only one of them, Christ Jesus the Lord. Would you you open their eyes to see or to show them his great beauty, that he indeed lived the life that we were supposed to live but didn't live it, and then he died the death that we were supposed to die so that we wouldn't have to die it. Show people here this wonderful savior Now, Lord, um, would you get glory for yourself as we seek to walk in paths that may be old, but paths that are delineated by your word, authored by your spirit, and the only thing that will ever produce a marriage that's really enjoyable. We commit ourselves to that and do so in the name of Jesus.